come into this circle of caring. Come into the community of gentleness, of justice and love. Come and you shall be refreshed. Be silent, be still, be serene in this house of the Spirit. Put aside all noises that annoy, all sounds that irritate. Leave behind all the frustrations that belittle, the causes that fret, the troubles that torment. Here you can be at rest. Put away all the plans to be made, things to be done, victories to be won. Here be at peace. Here you are at home. Sit easy and be at rest. Feel your body rediscover its resilience, your mind its bearings, your spirit its strength. Once again, we've come home to the source and we feel the collective power of our companions, the warmth of their welcome, the support of their caring. Let the healing power of this gathering wash over you. Let loving kindness and joy pass through you. Let hope infuse you and peace be the law of your heart. In this human circle, caring is a calling. All of us are called. So come into this circle of caring. These opening words by Unitarian Universalist Minister Richard S. Gilbert. They welcome all who have gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those of you who are here in person at Essex Church in Kensington. Welcome to all who are joining us via Zoom from far and wide. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall and I'm Minister with Kensington Unitarians. This morning's service is titled Tending, Mending and Taking Care. As you can probably tell, I couldn't quite make my mind up how to distill the theme down into one word. It was inspired by the words of Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, which are printed on the front of the order of service for anyone that's in the building, and the words are all online uh, if you're at home. He said, to take good care of yourself and to take good care of living beings and the environment is the best way to love God. So this hour we'll be pondering our experiences of taking good care in all the realms of our lives, caring for humans or animals, tending to plants and gardens, maintaining communities and buildings, all the many ways in which we show active, hands-on care for those people, places and things that we most love. And towards the end of the service, there'll be a chance for you to share your own reflections on that subject, but as always, it's an invitation, not an obligation. Don't worry, I will not be twisting your arm to join in. But before we go any further, let us take a moment, as we always do, to make sure we've truly arrived, settle into the here and now. You might want to move your body to stretch or shake out any tension you came in carrying. Perhaps you could close your eyes and take a few slow breaths to centre yourself. We've set aside this hour to be together and we make it sacred by our presence and intention. So I'm gonna light our chalice flame now as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part.
A chalice lit in our midst is a symbol of our liberal faith. A faith built on the foundation of freedom, reason and tolerance. A faith sustained by acts of kindness and justice. A faith that visions a world flourishing with equality for all her people. A faith that demands the living out of truth and goodness. A faith that requires thoughtfulness and mutual care. A faith of wholeness, authenticity and liberation. And this tiny flame is the symbol of this spark within each and every one of us. Time to sing. Our first hymn today is a perennial favourite, Wake Now My Senses. It's one that always inspires me and it says so much about what we are aspiring to do together as a community. If you're in church, it's number 181 in the purple hymn books. Um, ignore the printed music, we're going to sing it to a much more familiar tune. The words will also be up on screen if you're joining us on Zoom. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer and sing up as you can. Wake Now My Senses.
Let's take all of those joys and concerns, spoken and unspoken, into an extended time of prayer now, based on some words by Bruce Southworth. You might want to adjust your position to get more comfortable. You might want to close your eyes or focus on the candles. Perhaps there's a posture that helps you to feel more centered and prayerful. Whatever helps you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, with each other, and with that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. We turn our full attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. As we join together in prayer this morning, let us be aware of the varied human experience embodied in this community and all its connections. We each go through such a mix of ups and downs. Sometimes life is tough and the world bears heavy on us. We struggle alone, search the depths and long for healing, for hope, for strength which give their grace and peace. Each of us here gathered carries our own private griefs and burdens. And sometimes we can share these. For the open hearts which respond with tender care, we are grateful. Each of us here gathered knows something of life's blessings too. So this bright morning, let us give thanks for all of nature's bounty. Let us give thanks for caring friends and compassionate neighbours. Let us give thanks for the communion of all those who seek to serve others. And may we too be strengthened in our efforts to be of service. May we be always mindful of all the good in our lives. Whatever privilege, success or joy we happen to have been blessed with. May our prayer be that we always see clearly and keep before us the commandment to care. Striving always to be generous, inclusive and open. On this day and every day, may we give thanks. While also remaining dissatisfied with the world as it is for a new world and a realm of love is still waiting to be realized. May our spirits and bodies be nurtured and nourished as we give thanks in praise of all that sustains and heals and holds all that is holy and good. And in a few moments of shared stillness, may our hearts speak silently all the prayers of our lives our soul's greatest joys and their deepest sorrows, our triumphs and our failures, our regrets and our fears, our hopes and our dreams, our concerns for all who we know to be suffering right now.
Spirit of life, God of all love. As this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time to sing once again. Our next hymn is number 47 in the Purple Book, God Around Us, God Within Us. Um, it's not one I know, but a couple of the verses are really appropriate to our theme today. They speak of caring for each other, caring for the earth and all its creatures. So as the tune is unfamiliar, I'm going to ask Andrew to play the tune through in full before we start to sing, and we've got Benji to help anyway. The words will be up on screen as usual, so again, please stand or sit as you prefer and give it your best shot. by U.A. Fanthorpe. There's a kind of love called maintenance which stores the WD-40 and knows when to use it, which checks the insurance and doesn't forget the milkman, which remembers to plant bulbs, which answers letters, which knows the way the money goes, which deals with dentists and road fund tax 
and meeting trains and postcards to the lonely, which upholds the permanently rickety elaborate structures of living, which is Atlas. And maintenance is a sensible side of love, which knows what time and weather are doing to my brickwork, insulates my faulty wiring, laughs at my dry rotten jokes, remembers my need for gloss and grouting, and keeps my suspect emphasis upright in the air, as Atlas did the sky. The Seven Pentacles by Marge Piercy. Under a sky the color of pea soup, she is looking at her work, growing away there actively, thickly like grapevines or pole beans, as things grow in the real world slowly enough. If you tend them properly, if you mulch, if you water, if you provide birds that eat insects a home and winter food, if the sun shines and you pick off caterpillars, if the praying mantis comes and the ladybugs and the bees, then the plants flourish, but at their own internal clock. Connections are made slowly. Sometimes they grow underground. You cannot tell always by looking what is happening. More than half the tree is spread out in the soil under your feet. Penetrate quietly as the earthworm that blows no trumpet. Fight persistently as the creeper that brings down the tree. Spread like the squash plant that overruns the garden. Gnaw in the dark and use the sun to make sugar. Weave real connections, create real nodes, build real houses, live a life you can endure, make love that is loving. Keep tangling and interweaving and taking more in a thicket and bramble wilderness to the outside, but to us interconnected with rabbit runs and burrows and lairs. Live as if you liked yourself, and it may happen. Reach out, keep reaching out, keep bringing in. This is how we are going to live for a long time. Not always, for every gardener knows that after the digging, after the planting, after the long season of tending and growth, the harvest comes. Thanks, Sonia, and thanks, Brian. And I realise poems often require more than one reading. So if you want to read any, any of those again, again, they're available with a text of the whole service on the church website. So we're moving into a time of meditation now. I'm going to offer a few brief quotes related to our theme to take us into the silence. Um, three minutes of silence, which will end with the sound of a bell. And after that, we're going to hear some lovely music from Andrew. Perhaps during the silence, you can ponder your experiences of taking care 
significant times when you've taken care or tended to or looked after or carefully maintained anything or anyone, an object, a building, a plant, a garden, an animal, an organization or community, a relationship, a person or a whole group of people, a cause that's close to your heart. And later on in the service, as I said, there'll be a chance if you want to share something of this, if you'd like. So once again, let's each do what we need to do to be comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor if that helps you feel steady. You might want to close your eyes. And this is all just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Wendell Berry said, we have the world to live in on the condition that we will take good care of it. And to take good care of it, we have to know it. And to know it and to be willing to take care of it, we have to love it. Rabbi Rami Shapiro said, take care of the things that take care of you. Hang up your clothes, wash your dishes, do your laundry, clean your house, maintain your car. You cannot function nearly as well without these things. Show them respect and kindness by treating them properly. Uchiyama Roshi said, to take care of things makes the whole world come to life. And again, the quote which inspired today's theme from Thich Nhat Hanh, to take good care of yourself and to take good care of living beings and the environment is the best way to love God. So in a few minutes of stillness now, I invite you to ponder your own experiences of taking care.
Mending the Broken World by Kathleen McTeague 
In early autumn, I stopped to watch my neighbor at work repairing a stone wall that lines the road perpendicular to ours. Built as all the old walls of our country have been built, the stones are held by balance and judicious choice rather than by mortar. The wall is built well, but the weight of many decades has broken it here and there, with some stones fallen out of place or carried away for some other use. As I warm myself in the September sun and watch him work, I see that half of what he does is simply look at the stones in their haphazard piles, stroking his chin in thought. Then, from time to time, he rolls one from the pile onto the ground and turns it from side to side, pondering, or walks back to study again the place in the wall he's been trying to mend. When he finally makes his choice, he's sure. Each stone waits for the right opening the place where its particular heft and shape fit as though cradled. Once in place, it's no longer merely a stone, but an essential part of the wall, part of a larger thing taking shape as naturally as a tree flows from root to trunk to branch. My neighbor is an ordinary working man. I know his name, and sometimes we talk about life and horses and his willingness to help me haul manure to my garden on one of those days before the first hard frost. But on this sunny September afternoon, as I watch his eyes and hands become familiar with each stone and then lift to shape the wall, it's easy to imagine God at work in the immense universe, quietly humming, pulling our lives together into something strong and useful. I don't mean we're mute and helpless, waiting passively for some great stonemason to lift and move our lives or tell us where we belong. I mean only that there is a place for us that our gifts, the shape of our minds and talents, the angles of our interest and concern, fit the needs of the world the way my neighbor's stones anchor themselves in the lengthening wall. I mean that the world's possibilities shift and change each time we put ourselves into building something large and strong and beautiful. Whether or not we find room in our theologies for the word God, the world itself calls us to imagine ourselves essential to this engaged holiness bringing forth what is ours to give of creation and strength toward mending the broken world. Thanks, Anthony. So we've got about 10 minutes now uh, to share our own brief reflections and experiences on tending, mending and taking care. I invite anyone who wants to come up and join to come in up to the mic in turn. I suggest using this one, which is a bit more sensitive. Um, we'll do it like joys and concerns. It's at this time we'll try and mix in willy nilly anyone who wants to join in online. So you just take your turn along with anybody else. You should be able to just unmute yourself and join in when you're ready. As always, there's a balance to be struck. I'm not sure how many people will want to join in. Um, I'm not sure how long you'll want to speak for. I would like anyone who wants a chance to get a go. So bear in mind how long you're speaking so that there's a chance for everyone that wants to. And just to let you know, by default, this will stay in the service recording. But if you want to be edited out, that's no problem. Just let me know after the service. And as with everything else, it's an invitation, not an obligation. Go on, David. Start us off. First off, you might be wondering which silly person forgot to put their phone on silent. My hand goes up 
I am the guilty party. I should have been reminded by somebody who would remind me. Um, my friend and I, my best friend and I really, we retired about the same time, about 20 years ago, and both had had rather busy lives. And we took to occasionally taking a walk and grabbing a bit of lunch. And it was totally random. We'd say, ring one another up and say, you doing anything tomorrow? And maybe we would be, maybe we wouldn't be. And then others started to hear that we did. So oh, I wouldn't mind coming for a walk. And in the end, we decided, well, it was all a bit random. Why don't we have it one day a week, Wednesday, Wednesday. It's clear of the weekends, long weekends. So we became the Wednesday walkers. And people joined. Sadly, some people died. Um, often people joined us when they'd been bereaved, when they'd lost a partner. And sometimes we got up to six or seven people walking. And then the pandemic happened and the lockdown happened. And we looked at each other and said, what are we going to do? Zoom. So the Wednesday walkers became the Wednesday talkers. And we would meet at 11 o'clock, but not in a cafe somewhere, but on, on Zoom. And we chat for an hour. And when the lockdown ended, we were back on the streets. Um, and we're still going now. So the point I wanted to make is that caring isn't always a receiver and a giver. It's it's something just just tending a relationship. Thanks. And you'll forgive me. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more, David, about the receiving as well as the giving. Um, this is about a love story, a love story I had with Mimi, who was 95 years old. And the love story lasted two years. She had very advanced Alzheimer's. Um, she'd been brought up in French, so we immediately um, were able to communicate. And one of the biggest choice was trying to piece together some of her life so she could have a bit of life back because she'd forgotten anything. And I found some photos in, in a room which was heaped like this with papers and all newspapers and things, correspondence. And so I put together what I thought was a, an attempt at representing her life. And she just loved it. Every day I popped in and we looked at the album. She never tired. She had an incredible sense of humor. And um, um, in, on the album, there was a photo of her when she was at school, uh, in a French school in London. And she would say, I bet you don't know who, you know who is me in there. And the first time, of course, I got it wrong and she roared with laughter. So the next day, same story again. I bet you don't know. And of course, I would get it wrong every time because then, you know, she, she, she enjoyed it so much. Now, the precious thing about Mimi uh, was that she had been an accomplished pianist and her capacity to play was totally unaltered. She was absolutely brilliant. And the reason why I mention her 
about it's about caring but it's also about receiving because some of the deepest joyful moments i've um experienced with music came from mimi and i'm so happy to talk about her today and thank you thank you mimi Um, mine isn't I don't know, quite as uh, human as this, possibly. I just want to talk about a time I had to look after my cat, Fred, who sadly is no longer with me. But Fred was a real coward, and he must have been the victim of a mugging because he came home one day and he had a huge abscess on his forehead. So I took him to the vets, and it was very unpleasant. And the vet actually had his young son in the room when he lanced the abscess, and green goose spurted out everywhere, and his young son screamed and ran out of the room. And um, so the vet told me that Fred needed to have antibiotics twice a day. And that was a problem because Fred really hated taking tablets. There was no way I could get tablets down his throat. It was, a, I've tried once and it was a very painful experience for both of us. So I then tried the usual thing of crushing the tablets up, put it in his food and the little swine could smell it and he refused to take it. So the vet gave me a syringe. So what I then had to do was crush the tablets up, put it in some water, fill up the syringe, engage my husband so we could swaddle Fred in a blanket after first shutting the room, shutting him in the room so he couldn't escape. And then he would hold the cat very gingerly because he's not terribly fond of cats. And I would have to open Fred's mouth very carefully and syringe the antibiotics in and make sure it went down. I had to do this two days for a fortnight. I have to say it's probably the longest fortnight of either mine and Fred's life. <laughs> he looks very bad. I'd like to share. Can you can you see and hear? We can now. Okay. Um, so one of the things that kind of came to me is when I was growing up, my dad really um, taught us about looking after books. He was a printer. He had a printing press at home. Um, and that's that was his um, livelihood. And that thing of looking after books, you know, don't don't bend the spine of the books and don't turn over, you know, turn the corner of the pages and, and things like that really stuck with me. So I kind of passed that down to um, wanted to pass that down to my my daughter. But the first book that I ever bought my daughter when she was a baby was this little book. And it's a, it's a bath bath book so it's not paper but i really held on to that idea of looking after things and for it to be passed down so when my daughter had kyra um kyra got to look and play with this book and then 12 years later when um, my daughter had a second baby um he was recently able to look at this book so this book is 29 years old um and it's yeah it's gone gone a second generation and inspired a love of books in in all three of them in my daughter and my two grandchildren wonderful thanks Janine. juliet
need the paper because I forget words very quickly. Um, the black eye is because uh, I was working in the garden with uh, Brian yesterday and uh, I was coming down two steps which are in the center of the garden and I lost my balance and I crashed down and fell onto a, a concrete block that sort of got, looks as though it's got stones embedded in it. I don't know, it's a homemade fossil or something, I think. Anyway, I fell onto that and uh, got this rather large black eye. I'm going to ask Brian to help me now because uh, I think the people online won't see this otherwise. So, um, quite a lot of years ago, um, when I think you might have to come here with it, Brian. Ah, about there. Is that good? Right. And turn it round to the back first, please. Um, you might not know about the back of this at all. Uh, this uh, was created, the picture was created by my daughter, Roz, who was doing graphic design. And this, of course, is Kensington Church, uh, Essex Church. And um, this all came about because uh, when we used to go to the GA meetings, um, a tradition started where people would bring their banners and there was a little uh, march of banners which has increased hugely. They're very attractive. They're a bit like trade unions used to have beautiful banners. I expect they still have. Um, anyway, after a while, um, a group of us, I think, well, it was certainly a craft group. I think it was... Thank you. <laughs> and if you turn it around now, Brian, please. Um, we thought we would like a more colourful uh, design for the, well, to, actually, this is the uh, side that shows more. And I think Jane had a lot to do with uh, selecting um, the pictures that we would have. Um, oh, this is one that Patricia Walker did. It's Ningesida. It's, uh, am I right? Euroboros. Euroboros, okay. And it's um, a snake that's consuming itself and the sense of things going around. This is nice because this is the handshake between somebody white and somebody brown. Um, the moon and the sun. I think this is Buddhist, is that one? Thank you. <laughs> Um, this is flying free, quite obviously, um, the Christian symbol, um, the Muslim symbol, the Unitarian symbol, of course, um, this, that's Buddhist, right. Uh, we've got a lovely um, rainbow here with bird across it. Um, that's a big one, I think I might have done that because at the time, I was uh, uh, visiting my son uh, who lived in Southall, and there was, sorry, living, uh, visiting my son who lived in Southall, and at the time, there was a new Gurdwara going up, and uh, so I was particularly interested by Sikh symbolism. And uh, we've got the menorah, haven't we? 
Is that everything? Uh, tree, trees because they're so important. And the what's this called? I forgot. Yes, I mentioned the rainbow. So we included all these things, and I have a friend who's been to this church before now, and she's why have you got all these things and what's it all about? But we know what it's all about. It's about being open to all aspects of worship and uh, religion. So I think that's fine. Thank you, Brian, you've done a great job. And of course, he's made this little lock where the um, banner can be stored neatly. And I think we'll, have I got time to mention the hangings? All right, okay, we'll make it very quick. Um, there was a great controversy about whether to decorate this church at all because it's so lovely as it is. But in the end, we decided that we could make a hanging and actually it's detachable. So if you would prefer no hanging, that's all right. And uh, this same group of us, uh, we've actually made. Um, a number of hangings and they mostly represent the seasons and um well two lovely ones one at each end that's spring and that's summer and those were both made by jane's mum um who was a lovely lady and very quiet but loved being involved well she was quiet with us i'm sure she wasn't at home and uh, that green one with the flowers is one i did that was spring I think that one might have been by Patricia, was it? The, the one with glittery bits. Um, and then there was a person called um, Sue Smith who came to the congregation for a couple of years at least. And she, um, well, she started taking an interest in embroidery. And then she uh, asked a group of us if we would help her help her to make a pat, uh, hanging. And this is um, uh, summer and autumn, I think. And uh, Liz has done a flower on this. I think it's this one, isn't it, Liz? And uh, I helped contribute with that. And there's also a winter one. And it's Jane. Oh, and the very last thing, the, the mending bit, was that Sue also discovered the box where all the excess hangings are stored. And she went through them all and repaired them all to make sure they were okay. So that's the story, and it's taken far too much time. Story, story that's a good one to be told. I realise we're going to run a little bit long, but I don't want to inhibit anyone's story. So anyone else in the room or online, please do join in. Mine's not a story as such, but when I was thinking about this subject in the garden this week, I was thinking about all the different sorts of care and taking care of my life and how they kind of, the certain amount of energy I have to spread between them ebbs and flows. So my garden, which I love taking care of, got completely out of control this year during the two months when my dad was mainly in hospital and my care had to go there instead. 
and then while I sit in the garden looking at how the garden looks lovely now, I look at the outhouse, which has been slowly crumbling over the last 40 years because we haven't taken care of it properly and things are now crumbling and beyond patching up. So I just wanted to mention that kind of dance of where can our care go at any one time? So if everyone who wants to speak has now spoken, I'm just going to share one minuscule reading as a kind of blessing to bring our reflections to a close. It's called Caretaking, and it's by Gilbeth Veronica Sweeney. Take care of your home, your remarkable body. It needs blueberries, brisk walks and back rubs. Take care of your home, your mind and soul, it craves stillness, friendship, a pile of books by the bed. Take care of your home, the roof over your head. It asks to be filled with music and candlelight, to be free from cobwebs and shadows. Take care of your home, your community. It expects you to protect the weak, to visit the lonely, to love the children. Take care of your home, the earth. It cries out for abundant green forests, clear blue waters and peace. So may we each take care as best we can for the greater good of all. Amen. One last hymn, number 37 in the Purple Book. Great tune, this one, for the fruits of all creation. We don't sing it too often, so again, I'm going to ask Andrew to play it through before we sing. Give it your best shot for the fruits of all creation.
a few announcements then. Thanks to Ramona for tech hosting and Janine for co-hosting at home. Thanks to Brian, Sonia and Anthony for our readings and for everyone who contributed to the sharing. Thanks to Andrew for lovely music and Benj for supporting our singing. Thanks to Patricia for greeting and David for doing the tea. Uh, there will be berry lime drizzle cake on offer if you want to stay behind by special request of Juliet because it's her unofficial birthday cake. She turns 80 tomorrow. So let's raise a slice of cake at the very least to Juliet today. Um, if when you go into the hall you find it's a bit quiet out there, you might find a lot of us have gravitated to the garden, so come and find us, come and have a chat. Um, if you're online, I do encourage you to stay on and have a chat with Janine, and sorry, no cake, but maybe you can carry on exploring this theme of mending and tending and taking care. We've got various small group activities going on. Uh, there are still spaces to join our contemplative spiritual gathering, Heart and Soul, uh, that's tonight or Friday at 7 o'clock, and this week's theme is learning. Um, and save the date for the next Green Spirit Gathering for Lammas. That's online on the 1st of August at 7 o'clock. Next Sunday is our end of an era celebration service. Sarah and Harold will be joining us. Uh, we'll be thanking them both for their many years of service to this church. Uh, it's your last chance to let us know if you want to stay for lunch after that. So do have a word with Patricia today if you want to be there. All of these details are on the back of the order of service and on the Friday email. The congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch, look out for each other, and encourage supportive connections. Just some closing words and closing music then. We leave this gathered community, but we don't leave our connection, our concerns, our care for each other, our service to one another, the world, and the promptings of our faith goes on. So until we're together again, friends, be strong, be well, be true, be loving, and nurture goodness wherever you may go. May it be so for the greater good of all. Amen.